Our reading this evening is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super-apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul has just finished saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 last week, that if you are going to boast about anything, let your boast be in the Lord. Don't boast about earthly things, things that fade away. Don't boast about the kinds of things that the world considers strong or mighty or wise or successful. Those things are all brought to nothing by God. Let the one who boasts, Paul quotes Jeremiah, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Things are really kind of reaching a fever pitch for Paul in this letter. He's rapidly winding things down, but as he's doing that, he's ramping up his enthusiasm, his energy. Let me indulge in a little bit of foolishness. Those super apostles, he says, tongue-in-cheek, those super apostles who have been telling you that I'm nothing, they think they're something. They think they have something to boast about. They think that they can stand in God's presence. Well, I have more to boast about than them. Let me indulge a little foolishness, Paul says. I'll play their game. If we're going to play the boasting game, get ready. I can play it better than they can. Let me indulge a little foolishness, he says. And here's why I'm going to be so foolish. Because I feel a divine jealousy for you. It's kind of coincidental, although nothing's a coincidence, I suppose, that we studied Genesis chapter 3 in Bible class tonight. Coincidental that the story Paul refers to today is the story of Genesis chapter 3. He feels a divine jealousy for the Corinthian church in the same way that God would have felt a divine jealousy for Eve, whom he had betrothed to Adam. 
And now she was listening to the serpent. Paul feels the same way about the Corinthians. He had wedded them to Christ. He had prepared them to be Christ's bride, to have him as her husband, to listen to him, to obey, to follow, to trust. And yet, who were they listening to? Detractors, super apostles, false apostles, really. And as false apostles, as Paul says at the end of our lesson, they're servants of Satan. Servants of Satan who disguises himself as an angel of light. They're listening to the devil all over again. And so he feels a divine jealousy. He's pulling out all the stops. I'll do what it takes, whatever it takes, to convince you not to listen to them, but instead to listen not to me, but to the gospel. Whatever it takes. Even if that means I have to be foolish. Even if that means I have to play this boasting game. I shouldn't do it, Paul says, but I will. If that's what it takes. Bear with me in some foolishness. After all, Paul says, you bear with them, you endure them, when they come to you with a different Jesus, with a different spirit, with a different gospel, won't you bear with me? When once again I tell you about the true Jesus, the true spirit, the true gospel, the true good news that you believed, I'm not inferior, Paul says to those super apostles. Maybe I can't speak as well as they do. That's one of the charges they made against Paul. He writes powerful letters. And when we read them, we tremble. But when he shows up, he's kind of meek and mild, and he doesn't seem to have much of a voice. But I'm not inferior to them, Paul says, because although I might be weak in my speaking, I'm not weak in my knowledge. They don't have any knowledge. If they think that they are coming with a different gospel, there's one gospel, the gospel you heard and believed, the gospel of Christ crucified for you, which I delivered free of charge. Is that what you hold against me, Paul wonders? Are they telling you that because I didn't charge you for this, because I didn't ask you to help me out along my way, because I didn't expect anything of you, that this isn't worth anything? Is it worth less because it didn't cost you anything? Paul says, no. No, instead, see how much I love you and that I gave it to you for free. I even took gifts from other churches to support me while I was ministering to you because I didn't want you to have any reason to think that I was peddling something, that I was selling you something. I wanted you to see the gospel for what it truly is, a gift. Is that what you hold against me, Paul wonders? Let them, those who boast, these detractors, let them reckon with the reward that they will receive for their deeds. Maybe they preached some good news, maybe they preached a message that you like, but their end will correspond to their deeds. Anything other than the gospel, anything besides the good news of Jesus Christ leads to death. And that's where they will lead you if you listen to them. So don't listen to them. I will be foolish. I will boast. I will put them to shame. My boasting, Paul says, is better than their boasting. And just you wait. You're going to have to come back next week to hear his boasting. But just you wait, dear Corinthians. They think we're the same, but we're not. I'm a minister of Christ. They're servants of the devil. It's plain before your eyes. Can't you see how plain it is? Can't you see how plain it is? Well, it is difficult when Satan masquerades as an angel of light. It's difficult. False gospels, false Christs, false spirits, they always seem sweet. And that's the problem. That's why they're enticing. The fruit on the tree looked good to eat. And the picture that the devil painted of that fruit was marvelous. It'll make you wise like God. He didn't come to her saying, come and eat this poisonous fruit that's rotten. He said, come and eat this delicious fruit. 
that is actually so much better than what God has given you. The angel of light by which Satan masquerades, that angel of light always presents something sweet. He captured Eve with that deception, and Paul says he's going to capture you if you don't pay attention. So how can you tell the difference? This is where this lesson comes home to roost for you and for me. How can you tell the difference? When false gospels come in, when false Christs are presented, when false spirits stand before you, when the devil is masquerading as an angel of light, how can you tell the difference between the truth and a lie? How can you tell the difference between God and the devil? It's all bound up in the cross of Jesus. At its base, the devil offers sweet things for which you never have to suffer. Sweet things which involve no dying Sweet things that involve no cross. That's what Peter thought he should have. No, Lord, you will never go to the cross. You shouldn't die. My Messiah, my Lord, my King is not going to die. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. The devil wants to offer sweet things without the cross, without suffering. But Christians know better. Christians know better with their eyes fixed on the cross of Jesus because we know the weight of our sin. We know that in order for there to be any sweetness, for there to be any goodness, for there to be any good news, someone has to suffer. In order for our sins to be paid for, in order for atonement to be made, blood has to be shed. In order for there to be glory, there has to be a cross. In order for there to be resurrection, someone has to die. The devil wants to offer you good news without death. Good news without suffering, good news, without a cross. And that's how you can tell the difference. Jesus comes to you and he says, I have laid down my life for you. That's what makes me a good shepherd. The one who lays down his life for the sheep. And Jesus offers you this invitation. Come and follow me. How? By taking up your cross. By suffering with Jesus. By dying with Jesus. By being buried with him, which no one ever would want except for this fact that Jesus did not stay dead and buried. But instead, through the grave, through death, comes resurrection. With all our sins, all our sorrows, all our grief left behind. It's true sweetness. It's true goodness. Not tainted with sin, but redeemed from sin. It's true life. That is what Jesus is offering. That is what Paul is presenting to the Corinthians. And that's what he wants them to believe. It's plain before you. Don't believe those lies. I'm going to indulge some foolishness, Paul says. I'm going to boast. I'll play that game. But by now you should know the setup. When Paul boasts, it's going to sound very different from the way these detractors boast. When Christians boast, when we lay claim to anything, when we stand up and say, I am alive and not dead, when we hope in the resurrection, where do we lay our claim? Not in ourselves, not in anything glorious about us, not in anything worthy about us, but instead simply in this. That Christ has died for us. Nothing but Christ crucified. Nothing but Christ crucified will avail. And that is our great hope. Paul is going to spend himself entirely getting this message across to all kinds of people, to the churches he's planted and to anyone who will hear. He will spend himself. He would gladly give up his own life so that more would believe and rejoice. Let us always treasure this message, this gospel which has come to us at such great cost but with such great promise, life eternal with Christ Jesus in God's kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen.